0: I love hearing your hearts full of worship, and appreciate the leadership of the the praise team and the way that they lead us each and every Sunday, the practice that they put in and their hearts more than anything toward worship, and I love hearing the same thing from all of you. Well, this this week we're beginning a new series called Prayer at Home, part of a larger initiative that's part of our faith at home uh, that you'll hear more about through the sermon, and and then Greg is going to share a little bit more later on in our service before we close our time together. And really the goal of this series is not just that we'll know more about prayer. I hope that happens. But my hope is that our families become drawn in prayer in deeper ways than maybe we are today. That our, uh, us as individuals will experience prayer in a deeper way than maybe we are currently. And I know prayer can be difficult. I want to talk a little bit about my journey with prayer this morning. Uh, but some of you may just wonder if, if it's worth praying? Is is there any point to it really? And if you find yourself in that place, I want you to know you're welcome in this place with all of those doubts to bring those to God's feet. And and we're going to try to look at some scripture, maybe to look in some some new ways at some things that I hope will be a comfort to you, maybe lead you to to try it out again if it's something that you feel like you've lost contact with God about. Uh, There's a passage of scripture that I think is a, a vitally important passage as we think about as I think about what it means to preach. So I'm laying before the Word of God to you, but this is what James says in James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And I think this is important that we don't just come here so we can know more Bible. We, a lot of us know more Bible than we've ever lived out, Right? And James is trying to say, okay, that's great we come together on Sunday morning and read the Bible and know more. We've got to put it into action, though. We've got to, we've got to live this out. And that's my hope, is that we'll put these lessons into action and find more relationship with God in some new ways. Uh, let's pray together, though, as we, we open God's Word together. God, I, I ask this morning that no matter where people find themselves in terms of their relationship with you, whether that's an ongoing conversation that never seems to cease, or whether this is uh, just... Uh, something new, God, that we need to step into in new ways, or we've got doubts about this, that you would open our hearts and open our ears to hear what needs to be heard, God, to each one in their place. And if there's anything this morning, God, that I say that's not in line with who you are and what your will is for us, may those words fall away not to be remembered. But God, whatever I speak that's true and in step with your spirit, I pray those things would stick and would bring forth fruit, God, in our lives. And this morning, I, I pray you'd pour through me the gift of preaching. So that Christ would be formed in our hearts. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Well, I, uh, I, I've had an interesting journey with prayer. And, and one of those journeys, or the beginnings of that, started when I was in graduate school. I was at ACU, been through undergrad there. But there was a, kind of a new level of study, a new level of learning things that I, I really just hadn't delved into. And it was a challenging time. But i I got to tell you, that was not as great of a challenge as what I'm currently facing in raising children. Because it's one thing to write papers and tests for professors knowing what they want to hear and you can kind of get through it that way, right? But it's another thing with your own children. Trying to pass on faith to them in ways that are really faithful to what God's called you to do. It forces you to look inward and really ask yourself, do I really believe what I'm teaching? Do I really believe what I'm living? Because you can kind of do this on your own and show up to church and that's one thing, but is this going to make an impact in my kids' lives? And if so, what is it that I want them to know and when they leave home, one of those core principles that I just want them to make sure that is core to them as well. And one of those challenging conversations for us with our kids has been the conversation about prayer. Because when it comes to prayer, uh, it's one thing to just pray these prayers that are, you know, you know how it goes on Sunday morning. You hear these prayers to the stage. And you're like, man, I, I wish I could pray like that. Or man, I, I don't ever want to pray like that. Maybe you hear some prayers up here. But but, but we, you, know, you think about these words that you want to put and you can't quite offer it up to God. And, and sometimes we do that with our kids. We say these prayers. My kids just don't. They're like, what does that mean, Dad, right? Just talk in language we understand. I think sometimes that's the way God is. is he wish we'd just kind of communicate like we communicate with everyone else. Stop trying to sound like you know, King James-ish. I don't just understand that translation. and I, I understand every language in the world. I understand what teenagers are going to say just as much as our kids' hearts that get poured out in prayer. But one night, we were teaching Maddox to pray. We, we teach him the Lord's Prayer. That's one of those important prayers for us. But one night, Maddox wasn't feeling well. He was down with a cold, and i, I got to get all these stories out before he sits in here on sermons. So I'm going to try to tell as many of these stories before I embarrass him that I can, right? Uh, but, but we were praying one night, and he wasn't feeling well. So we said, we're going to pray uh, that God would make you feel better, that tomorrow you'd wake up and you'd have a sense of, of being free from the sickness. And so we pray that. And the next morning, Maddox gets up and, and he, he came to us and he said, you know, Dad, I'm still sick. Why didn't God answer that prayer? And it made me realize that sometimes we say these flippant prayers and all of a sudden our kids have expectations about prayer that maybe we didn't think through when we prayed the prayer. Because in his mind, well, he's seen the movie Aladdin and prayer was kind of like the genie, Right? You got three wishes and you can't wish for more wishes and so you gotta have these, you, you, you kind of span these out so where you don't say too many at the start because God might not be able to answer some later on or he's just bound if I say it in the right way and I rub the lamp the right way and I, I, I stand like this with my prayer, then God will answer it. Haven't you done this before where you've prayed and God answered something and you try to figure out what did I pray so that next time he'll answer it again? And I think like kids, that's kind of what they think. And so we had to kind of walk through this. And it was a challenge to say, wait a minute, what we pray in front of our kids is going to create impressions and expectations for the rest of their lives about what prayer is and what God will do with those prayers. So this is something we're being challenged with in a new way that's beyond any test I took in seminary. And I think that's a challenge for us to think about the same thing in our own lives. What are our expectations when it comes to prayer? What is your prayer journey in talking with God created in terms of expectation for the future? Do you have expectations? I know for me, I had an experience when I was 17 years old. I was in high school, and uh, I hadn't yet you know, planned to be a preacher at all. But, but I was praying a prayer along with my family because my grandmother got breast cancer. She was diagnosed with breast cancer. It's My mom's mom, and, and my mom decided that she was going to pray in full faith for, for her healing in that. My mom is a faithful prayer warrior, and we have passages like Mark 11 where Jesus says, hey, whatever you ask for in my name, ask it and it will be given to you. And that was the kind of prayer we were praying was, God, we are praying in full faith that you will bring healing uh, to grandmother. And, And we prayed that prayer over and over again, and she ended up dying. And it was about a decade journey after that that I struggled to know if it was even worth praying at all. Because here was this experience where Scripture had been tested and, and, and mom had prayed in full faith and I knew the kind of woman she was and God didn't come through. What does, that, what does that mean about prayer? And as I look around, I'm just guessing about stories that I don't yet know that there are several of you, many of you maybe, that have had a similar experience. Maybe the most important prayer you've ever prayed about someone who was close to you or a loved one that you want to see come to Jesus, that prayer hasn't, hasn't come yet. Or maybe that healing didn't come in your life. Or, or maybe you're still walking through the same questions today. I don't, I don't know what it might be in your life, but for me it created a journey that I had to struggle with. Have you been there, any of you? So as we walk through this prayer at, at home journey, this isn't just, hey, say three prayers and we're good, right? I mean, this is a challenge for some of us to walk into a life of prayer when maybe we don't trust the one we're praying to, some of us. And if that's your experience, let me tell you that I I think I understand some of the feeling, maybe not exactly what you walked through. But I want to share a story from Scripture this morning that began to change my heart after about a decade of walking through and not spending much time in prayer. Even as I was planning to be a preacher, I just, I didn't see the point of it really. Because I'd had this experience where God hadn't come through. And this passage that I'm about to share, it's Acts chapter 8, if you want to Turn to it in your Bibles. I'd love for you to do that. Acts chapter 8 is a story I want us to to look at because I think it widens our our view of what this is all about, this prayer and who God is. So in Acts chapter 8, the the church has grown, and with the growth has come persecution. So they're going through a challenging time. And some of the apostles and some of the leaders around the church, they're starting to spread out and share this message in other places. And that's what we read about with Philip, starting in verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with streaks and impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, you may recognize Samaria as an important place in the Gospels as we read about Jesus, the good Samaritan. These are, this is the enemy territory for the people of God. And so they're walking into this, and Philip is, is I don't know how, if he got the short straw or what, but he's going to Samaria, and all of a sudden all this great stuff starts happening. People are being healed of, their, of being paralyzed. They're able to walk now. People, impure spirits, are coming out with shrieks. I've never experienced that before, but that sounds pretty cool, right? And, and, the, and the city is full of joy, Now, in fact, I don't know that many stories where I've ever heard someone describe shrieks and joy in the same story before, right? But that's what's going on here is the Spirit of God's working in such a way that unclean spirits are being cleaned out of people and people are experiencing joy in a new way. Well, let's read on continuing on in verse nine. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw Now, I don't know if you you remember this story. This is a story that you've read recently, but this is one of the coolest stories. And this is what I love about Scripture, some of these unknown stories that I think draw so much out. Because in Acts chapter 8, you've got this story about Simon, who's this sorcerer, which I've never met a sorcerer, but uh, a, a magician maybe? I don't know what he does. Maybe there's some dark arts to what he does, but something significant enough that people call him the great power of God. Now, you don't get a nickname like the great power of God by doing card tricks, I don't think, right? I mean, this guy, he's doing some pretty significant stuff that gives him this nickname, the great power of God. But this Simon, the sorcerer, the great power of God, he's so amazed by what he sees when these shrieks are happening and, and all this is going on in the city, people are being healed. He's so amazed that he wants to know what, what kind of power is this because I want some of this power Right, maybe this is going to help my job a little bit if I could have this power, whatever's going on. So we read on in verse 14 what Simon does about it. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given to laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when the disciples arrive, you've got to think about this. Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we kind of see a table of contents for the story ahead, right? It says, when the, You need to wait in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they are, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now that the gospel's going to Samaria, Peter and John are hearing this good news and they're knowing, okay, the Spirit's at work, doing what we thought the Spirit was going to do. Now we've got to go there and the Holy Spirit hasn't been received, so let's lay hands on. And I don't know what that looks like, but it's significant enough that Simon sees the Holy Spirit come on them when they lay hands on and he says, um, I think I want some of that. In fact, I'm willing to pay you for it if you can pull that off. Now, if you ever have thought that paying God uh, for this kind of thing was a good idea, let's keep reading. Verse 20, Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Again, you can't buy God off, right? So if you thought that was an idea, it was to say, let's go buy what we need. That's not, I, you know, what's going on here is I think Simon, he's been caught up in this whole sorcery thing, doing some pretty significant stuff, it sounds like. But there's a power that he realizes is deeper than the power that he's gotten able to work with. And I think some of us view God a little bit like we see in Acts chapter 8, that, that prayer or God is like magic, like the genie in Aladdin, that if we just have the magic touch or we say things in the right way, then maybe he would be, we'd be healed in some way. I think this was the view of God I had with my grandmother a little bit, was, God, you promised in this verse, and so I'm going to claim this verse, and if I just say the right words in the right way, then we know what you will do, because we know your, your, your will is for healing people. Like Simon, I think I saw God as a means to an end. Like it wasn't that God was the end in relationship with him. God was the, the end was healing in my grandmother's life, or the end was this crisis that was going on that needed to be healed in some way. And so God, I I want you, but only as you're willing to bring these things into my life. But God is not a genie in the sky with three wishes to grant us. God is a God who, who isn't going to be held down by any wishes that we grant or words that we put before him. It's not like we can bind God by saying the right incantation. No, this God is a God who's above all of that. A God who's powerful enough to work through prayer. But I wonder sometimes as I hear our language, I, I've said this before, I think that I, I hear people say, I believe in the power of prayer. And I think I know what we're saying when we say that, that we've prayed before and God has acted in some way. But I think we've got to be real careful about that kind of language because the truth is, we don't believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of God who hears our prayers. And there's a big distinction between those things because to say we believe in prayer is almost to think, Well, well, if I just say the right prayers in the right way, then God's bound to do something because that's the equation, that's the relationship that's there. No, we serve a God who's bigger than all that. We serve a God who's beyond our comprehension. We serve a God whose ways are higher than our ways. And I wish I could figure him out. It doesn't answer all the questions. That's not what I'm out to do this morning. But we serve a God who's powerful to to work through healing and we serve a God who's powerful to work through the broken pieces of our lives of the last, well, 15 years that I've been working through. Maybe some years you all have been working through to try to find out what God is like. I, I remember reading in Huckleberry Finn, Mark Twain's story about Huck uh, one day uh, praying that God would um, pray. He said, I, I prayed to God and I found that it didn't work. He tells the story about putting a shoebox under his bed and praying that it would be filled with gold the next morning. And the next morning he wakes up and there's no gold. And so he says, well, I guess prayer doesn't work. While that sounds like you know, something that would be a little infantile, that picture of God, I wonder if some of us, have lost faith in God because we've had a similar view. But God, I, I'll offer this prayer to you, and if you would just step through, I'll believe in you. We kind of get put these tests on God. And I wonder if God sometimes look at us like Huck going, this is bigger than that. This is, this is more than just about your will being done. This is about maybe God's will being done in new ways. And I'm, if I'm honest, that's been how my life has been, but I bet some of you can relate to that, can't you? These prayers of, God, if you'll just do this, I promise I'll do this, you... And I've been there, and I'm trying to kind of work to maybe a new understanding that maybe God was trying to peel away a kind of magic view of prayer to a new view of prayer, and it took took some experiences of pain with that to be open to new ways that God might be at work. In the year 2000, there was a book that came out that uh, called the Prayer of Jabez, a book by Bruce Wilkinson. That was a New York Times bestseller. Um, it kind of took the nation by storm. You could buy anything. Uh, in fact, some of you may have that on your wall at home. I don't know. There was a whole jewelry line that was the prayer of Jabez jewelry line, which is interesting, I guess. Um, anyone can make a buck if you know, they work it the right way. But this book, was, it was this idea that there was these, this special prayer that was found in the middle of First Chronicles of all places. And if you just pray this prayer, then maybe God would work in a way that he worked in the past with Jabez. This is what it says, that prayer that Bruce talks about in First Chronicles chapter 4. Again, that well-worn part of your Bible probably, I'm guessing, right? First Chronicles 4, we'll start reading in verse uh, 9. I, I won't read verses 1 through 7 because there's a lot of names I can't pronounce. It's in the middle of a genealogy, but verse 9. Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. His mother had him named Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. There's a name if any of you have been through that experience. Jabez cried out to God in Israel, of Israel, the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now my point this morning is not to deny that there wasn't any good that came out of the prayer of Jabez. And I'm sure some of you may have had your full Faith emboldened because you prayed some prayers and you saw God come through. I'm sure there were people who came to Jesus because of Bruce's book. I'm not here to deny any good that's come from this. But it is interesting, the focus of this prayer. The focus is about my territory. The focus is about, well, it's all about me, isn't it? I mean, just look at it. Enlarge my territory. Keep me from harm and blame. Bless me. And certainly God wants to hear those requests about what God what's going on in our lives, that, that we can put me prayers to God and he hears those. I, I'm not trying to deny that's an important part of prayer. But it was a prayer that fit kind of a really good niche in a certain era of the dot-com boom when things were going well, and maybe it wasn't prayer so much, but just kind of the way things were going at the time. And we prayed this prayer and prayed this prayer, and there was probably some good that came out of it, but, but I think we began to sometimes see prayer as a formula. And if we could just put the right words, the right, as I said, incantation, then God's bound to, 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 to honor this request in some way. But the prayer of Jabez differs quite a bit from some of the prayers of Jesus that I notice when I look at the prayers that he offered through Scripture. For instance, in Matthew 6, this is the Lord's Prayer that we prayed earlier. Matthew 6, verse 10, you see an important prayer of Jesus. Again, Matthew 6 is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the first sermon in the book of Matthew that he preaches. And this is the first prayer that we see Jesus uh, really teaches disciples to pray. And in verse 10 it says, Your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer about not my territory and my will. It's really a prayer about God. In the midst of whatever happens in my life and in my ministry, and these disciples that are going to pray the same prayer, would would your will be done? It's not so much about what my will is, it's about yours, because we trust that your will is going to be better for us. And then we see, that might be just kind of one prayer that Jesus prays, but at the end of his ministry in Matthew 26, we see a similar prayer that's uttered from his lips. It's Matthew 26, verse 36. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, and he's near the time of his death. This is really one of the last prayers he prays. He does pray on the cross a few prayers, of course, but... He's asking his disciples to pray with him. You know this story, some of you, but let's read Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he pl- fell, fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father... If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. It's interesting, even the first time and the second time that Jesus prays, the difference in his prayer. First, it it's got, to, if you'll let this happen, would you take this cup from me? But your will be done. And the second time he comes around, it's almost as if he's already received a word from God as to say, it's not the way this is gonna go, Jesus. He says, well, if it's not gonna happen, may your will be done. That even Jesus, his will is transformed by experiences of prayer with God. And, and the similarity of Jesus' first prayer and is near near the end of his ministry, I don't think we can miss that the bookends of his prayer life both talk about not what his will is, even Jesus' will that we would think would be the perfect impure will. He he says, God, whatever your will is, that's what we want to put first and foremost. And this isn't just a prayer that Jesus prayed. We see a few chapters later that Jesus lived this out. That Jesus was willing to, to give up his life even because God's will was what was most important. Now, this does not answer all the questions that I want answered, really. Because we pray that prayer, and sometimes we think, but God, isn't your will for healing? Even the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus announces the kingdom, but in chapter four, right before he goes and talks about what he's going to do in the Sermon on the Mount, he heals people, he shows people the kingdom before he ever refers and talks to them about it. God's desire is for the healing of the nations. It's for for our bodies to be whole. It's for all these things, but I've got to tell you, as I've gotten to know prayer and I've gotten to know God more in my life, I'm finding much more power in a prayer that asks, instead of my will to change God's will, for God's will to change my will. Because in the end, I trust that God's will and the way he works out things in the world is gonna be far better than I could ever rule my world. And even just a few years with kids and trying to raise them has humbled me even more to say, you know, I can't do this on my own. My will doesn't foresee things that God can foresee. And again, this doesn't answer all the questions, but I want to ask a question to you right now that, that I've been struggling with this week. And that's this. If you've, have you ever, just think for a moment about all the prayers you've offered to God. And I want you to think, if, if all those prayers had be, been answered yes over the years, would the world be better for it? Would your world be better for it if God had just answered yes to all those prayers? Now, in some ways, you'll want to say, yeah, because there's some really tough things that you'd have in your life that God. I wish God would have answered that. But I think I've gotten to a place where I realize that if, if I, it, Garth Brooks said it better than I could, right? Unanswered prayers, right? But God has a sense of knowing things that, like, when I was in fourth grade and that girl I wanted to marry, right, that, it worked out far better with Holly than it would have with her. Like, there's some prayers in our lives that it's better that God didn't answer yes to. And while it doesn't answer all the questions, I just, I'm, I want to build a trusting relationship with God that says, God, you're going to do this better than I can. And your nose, I may not understand them now. There, there was that moment where I didn't understand why my grandmother wasn't healed. But I can look back now, and, and, and even though it's still painful, and I wish I'd still had my grandmother with me, and I think good things would have happened if she'd lived longer on the earth, there's some things that emerged from that that were good. I had to work through prayer in a way now, and and really, there was a a piece of God that I had to kind of say, this is not the true God that I thought who he was. Now I'm having to learn that God may be different than what I I had thought at one point. Or my mom, she wasn't real close to my, her dad growing up. He wasn't a Christian until very much later in his life, and And they grew closer because they had to because grandmother wasn't there who was the close relationship in her life. I know there are times in your life you can look back and you see with 2020 vision how God worked for good in the midst of hard situations. Yet some of you are here this morning and you're saying, I I, I can't see it. It's been a decade. I can't understand why that prayer wasn't answered the way that I wish it would have been. But I want to just encourage you. I want to encourage you to find and trust God in this have eyes to see that maybe those unanswered prayers will work out in a way for your good if you'll allow God to work through the suffering, the the difficulty, the the, the healings that didn't happen. Again, we want to pray in boldness. God wants to hear your personal prayers. I'm not saying that we just pray your will be done because sometimes your will be done is a cop-out to save God, right? It's like we pray for all this and then we say, but your will be done so that he can answer one of the prayers, right? So we need to be people who pray in boldness for the things we desire, but in the end, trusting that god is going to know better about what and sometimes healing that keith and i were talking about that this week he says it so well he talks about how healing doesn't just come in physical forms right because if my grandmother would have been healed there would have been a time in the future where she would have passed away even lazarus right god does this miraculous healing but he ends up dying again and so sometimes the healing comes in different forms but I want to send you out the door today with a, a real challenge, not just more information or my story. I, I hope this is connected with you and maybe uh, Acts 8 is a place you can hang out in more this week. But I want to, I want to send you out with a challenge and it's, a, it's the band that I have on, on, on my wrist and, and we've got plenty for everyone in the, in the Faith at Home Center. Uh, if you want to go pick one of these up, our kids have already picked them up this morning and we're going to encourage them to pray this week. But it says Pray 752. It's what's on, on the screen as well. And this is the challenge we want to put before you. Seven, okay, is one of the, there's three challenges. The first is seven. We want to challenge every individual that's here today, a part of this church family, to be in prayer seven times this week. So once a day would be a great way to do that. But if you miss one, make it up in some way. Seven times this week to connect with God in some way and to, to at least word a prayer to him. Or maybe some of us need to learn not to say so much and to listen, right? We serve a living God that we expect to speak. This is a conversation. So maybe it needs to be that you just sit there in silence and and listen and contemplate before him. But in some way, connect with God seven times this week as an individual. Okay? You got that one? That's seven. Five. We're going to ask every family unit that's here, every family unit, every home, we want you to pray together uh, five times this week. We know some of you are single or, or maybe you're widowed or divorced. And, and we want you to find someone in your life that's close because we need to find people that know the deepest needs of our heart that are walking alongside us. And so if you, you find yourself at home, just yourself, we want to encourage you to find someone else to partner within this, okay? The, the last one, though, and that could be bedtime, that can be mealtime, but we encourage you to do outside of that some as well. Five times this week, figure out how to do that. And then two times this week, and this may be the hardest for some of us, we want you to pray with your spouse. Or again, uh, if you're in a relationship with someone else, if you're, a, if you're someone who's not married and you want to find a friend, find that close friend that you can commit to this with. But someone who's close with you in that sense, and if you're married, we want to ask that that be your spouse. Uh, connect with them and pray twice this week and find out the deep needs of their heart. Let them know you're praying for them as part of those other seven times, right? But and that, may, that may be the most challenging thing if you've not done this before is to humbly kind of step to each other and say, I don't, we don't even know how to do this. This hasn't been a core part of our marriage. But we want to ask you to do those three things, seven, five, and two. Seven times as an individual, five times as a family, two times as a couple or with a close friend, someone who's intimately walking in, the, in this faith path with you. You got the challenge this week? We just want you to try this. And we think this can be a habit that that can grow. This is not anything we're trying to beat over your head and say, if you don't pray, you're not a good Christian. That's not it. We're trying to open ourselves up to this relationship that God wants. We serve a God, the story was told in the prodigal son story, right? He doesn't shame his son when he comes home. He comes and says, I'm so glad to reconnect. And Some of you this week may feel like you're coming back home. And you don't know if God really wants that relationship. It's like, well, you do need to do some penance before I'm gonna hear your prayers. That's not our God. Our God wants to connect with you, and so this is going to be a great way this week. So grab these uh, wristbands on your way out. There's some more materials that Greg will tell us about in just a minute. In fact, you can come on up, Greg, right now. But I want to say just one last prayer before I close my time, and then Greg will tell us a few more comments about how to engage in this uh, focus together. God, I ask through this, uh, this series, Faith uh, Prayer at Home, and, and through uh, the focus that we're going to have over the next several months, that we wouldn't just be a church that believes in prayer, but we'd be in a, a church that believes in the God who answers prayer. That we'd, we'd trust that this is you who's at work, and sometimes we don't get how this works, God. We, we think that you want to do certain things in the world, and you don't seem to do it, or our timetable doesn't seem to be your timetable. But for those of us who struggled with this, God, we want to step out of that kind of shyness about this, this kind of doubt about this, and just try it again, God. And God, I just believe that you will step in faithfully in some significant ways. It may not be in, in the ways we expect, God, but... But more than anything, our wills need to be shaped toward your kingdom vision for this world. So, God, as we prayed earlier, we, we pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven and in our lives as it needs to be. So, God, hear our prayer this week. May this church, even more so than it's already been as, I, as we've experienced as our family, we've experienced this as a praying church, but we want that to go to the next level. So God, we pray that today, and we pray that you wouldn't leave us uh, in your silence, God, but you would speak, and we hear, get to hear some of those stories this week. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and through the intercession of the Spirit that's promised to us. Amen. I appreciate Colin's, Colin's words this morning. I want to remind us, you know, back in the spring, we launched Faith at Home as a, an overall part of our vision for Greenville Oaks, and Faith at Home is designed to equip to empower, to encourage us to live out our faith outside of these walls, and especially in our homes. And prayer at home is a part of that. It's for all of us. Colin has called us to that this morning. Our elders uh, have called us to that in our Bible classes this morning. And so I want to share with you just a couple of tools that we have to help you, uh, to help us as we pull this thread of prayer.